All right, Matt. Well, it was Halloween uh, over here in the United States last night. And the, a holiday that is, I don't know, as I'm getting older, it's becoming a little less exciting, but I think we should answer three questions for all the listeners. We can answer them both for the United States and Australia. Three key important questions. First is, what time does Halloween start and what time does it end? What are your official boundaries of if I come to the Matt Ray household? When will I be able to start receiving candy and when will the candy no longer be available? Well, see the the problem with that is is some in Australia they're they're just not they're they're not very much into Halloween um, at all. Like no one is. No, no, no. There, there's a smattering. I mean, it, it's definitely it's considered kind of a you know among the uh, um, the more uh, I, don't, I don't know. There, there's almost a thing that it's kind of a, a gauche American holiday, and you know why are we doing this? Because you know they just did, but they just. I think we've talked about this every year I've been here. Like, uh, it's just not really a thing. Um, but it's, you know, uh, commercialism is going to push it, it forward. Right? You know, I mean, you know. Well, this brings up another question. And before we get off this, and it's like, do you like, uh, like Valentine's Day? Does that exist in Australia? Not much. Yeah. Not much? Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, and, and, and definitely, definitely no Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, gonna say though, know, if we could export a holiday for the world, like I really think well, Halloween is an American export for sure. I know, I know, but I feel like it's not our it's not the best one, right? Like I feel like we should export Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving <laughs> is really just about eating a lot of food, hanging out with your family, right? Or and friends. And then you know, oh, no, no, no. We've already exported the American holiday, Black Friday. Mm, yeah, that shopping. shows up yeah. here, and there's no Thanksgiving. No, no there was a Black like, Friday here, and no I, Thanksgiving. I really believe if we could export a holiday, I think Thanksgiving would be the best because it's just. I mean, it's oh, like sure. we eat a lot, and then you know everyone can just watch. Like in here, we we'll watch mostly American football, but it's like whatever. Everyone can just play an important match of the game of their choice. So, like, I don't know if that's cricket <laughs> in India, soccer in the, like you know most of the world. Uh, maybe it's down there. It's American football. Or not, sorry. Aussie football. football. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like everyone just like, let's just do it. Like, that's a global holiday. I feel like that's just a great global holiday. Especially if we just kind of ignore the origins. It's like, I, like we don't even have to like worry about it. It's just like, it is literally just a, an event of family and friends. Like we don't know. Just don't even worry about that, like, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving is slightly, it's, I feel like it's gained a little traction since I've been here. Um, we had zero trick or treaters. I left a bowl full of candy out on our porch. Nobody even, you know, took any. Um, oh, okay. So back to our original question: What time did you put the bowl out? I don't know, five o'clock, five thirty. It's pretty early. Okay. Yeah, I mean, daylight savings. And the sun's not going down till seven. You know, so uh, see, I was going to go uh, but, but, but Halloween was, should start till basically like seven thirty. Is oh that, wow! Wow! No! 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 So I'm. I, I, I had to. I went and picked up my. I had to take my daughter to an optometrist appointment at four, and three mm-hmm. thirty is when schools were getting out. Okay. Uh, there were there were already kids like elementary school kids going door to door, and I was at like three thirty at three thirty. You know, four o'clock. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. we have to get this needs an intervention. That is way way too early. That's crazy. I know. I, I was just like. Yeah, I guess they, they want to get it out of the way before, you know, afternoon snack. Or what? I don't know. Like, get home, get the candy, <laughs> have a snack, have dinner, go to bed. Like, I mean, what are they? I'm, I, think I don't know. Be 
a little dark, like kind of dusk. Right. That's why yeah. I think which is I agree. It's going to depend on the part of the world you're in. So, you know, I mean, I saw I saw. Yeah, my wife was coming home from work uh, like five, five thirty. And she said she saw trick or treaters downtown or like people in costumes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my son had a, a basketball game at seven twenty. So seven o'clock, we're out driving on around Halloween? on Halloween. What's, what's going yeah. on? It's a Tuesday yeah. night. It's yeah. Maybe and it's, this is ridiculous. I mean, Australia just like, they have just wrecked this holiday. Like if you're not going <laughs> to do it right, Australia, I mean, just don't do it at all. I mean, I mean they, they they had and this this will blow you your mind. Um, they had Halloween candy out in the grocery store next to mm-hmm. the Christmas stuff. <laughs> well, that's kind of like that here. Yeah, yeah everyone. Well, well, because there's no Thanksgiving to like buffer it, right? Oh, so that's the, right. The, so you're just kind of stuck with it. Yeah, like Christmas stuff starts rolling out in in October. Well, that's yeah, that's kind of true. You don't have to be natural. <laughs> this is another reason everybody needs Thanksgiving. You almost like Thanksgiving in some ways is just a Christmas pregame. Like you know, everyone's yeah, just exactly. sort of like getting ready. You're like, well, I, we had that conversation too. It's like all your favorite foods at. at at Christmas, you can have them at Thanksgiving too, right? You know, all the same pies, all the same desserts, you know. That's true too. When we export the holiday, I don't think ham. no one, we're not going to require everyone to eat turkey. It's like, no, just eat something really good. Whatever you think that is. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, they, they, they're not big on turkey here either. Um, okay, yeah, we should get yeah. rid of that. Okay, well, all right, well now, uh, the other question I have, because you have three kids, even though I guess it sounds like maybe it's not a big deal in Australia. What is the age when kids either do or should stop trick-or-treating? Oof. Um, you know, there's that, that window, probably six, sixth grade or so where they start to be too cool, but then uh-huh. it comes back around where they're like, you know, Oh, I'm going to wear a costume, but I won't go trick or treating. I'll just kind of walk around the neighborhood with my friends and our cell phones. Right. So <laughs> I think, I think, uh, one of my kids is, is, is in the window where they're too cool. And the other is like, what, you know, she went walking around with her friends. And I think one of them was wearing a costume, but I don't think they went door to door. Right. That's, so you're kind of hitting on it. There's like the fun kid part, like whatever. Yeah. Let's, that's like before fifth grade. Right. So it's like kind of that maybe first through fifth grade where they're into yeah. it. Then there's the two cool stage, which is kind of unfun for everyone. It's like, well, nobody's into it. Right. Well, that, like, that, that's where then, the tricks come out. Right. Yeah. And then, but then you're right. <laughs> but then there's like, we're going to call it like, pre-hooligan phase right where the kids can still go out and have fun and like not really do anything wrong in fact it's kind of nice they can be with their friends and then there's sort of like and then they get to college and it just becomes debauchery yeah then there's like <laughs> late high school where it's hooligan so it's like really that's the age like i'd say 16 through 18 if you're still like in high school like junior senior year in u.s terms or even sophomore sophomore like you're done we in fact we don't want you outside at all those people need to stay <laughs> inside to distract them and then in college yeah go to college it's super fun in college right that, can, that's when it just it's, it's not about trick-or-treating it's about the halloween party right but that's even better but then you see that's i was thinking about this and like there's really nothing for us at our age like i feel like at this point like there's oh. We're well, just kind of done. Like you can give out the candy, but like there's nothing really. Kind it of it was. It was. I mean, it, it came back around when when my kids were still trick or treating in the U.S. You know, walking around with them became like a neighborhood thing where yeah, like, I didn't know this. Yeah. Where everyone had there were there were a Wagon. couple people who'd have like wagons yep. and they'd have a cooler, and cool. I was like that. That was like you know 
next level. I hadn't done that. You know, I didn't know about that when I was a kid. So that, that made it more fun. So maybe we should start doing that even when our kids are not there. It's like, yeah, we're just taking the wagon out. We're just, we're just going <laughs> to drag the wagon around, hang out, just like for no reason. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not that far from the beach, so I see a fair amount of that already. Oh. I like it now. Now you're now that's next level. So. Yeah, wagon down to the beach. There's always like, I'm 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 always you know throwing distance from picnics happening and people getting drunk. So it's it's okay. all right. Well, you know, we'll uh, tune into next year's episode when we recap Halloween from Australia. We'll see if uh, Matt Ray has made any progress. We'll see if I, I mean, get, at least you got to work on the start time. You, that's what I'm. That's your assignment. Is like we can't have kids trick or treating at three thirty. That's. At a minimum, it's six. We got to. You know, I, I was in I was in Tokyo once for Halloween, and they oh they did it right. Like everyone, I mean, lots. I mean, it was uh, you know lots of kids dressed in costumes, and kids were going door to door at stores. It was oh, that's even you know, better. I mean, they're really into Halloween, so they they uh, like how. I like Halloween that borders on shoplifting. That's like, now that's like a whole nother level of Halloween. That's kind of fun. Well, if anyone is listening from Japan, maybe they can uh, chime in and tell us yeah. like, well, what, what time does Halloween start in Japan? They probably oh. celebrate Thanksgiving too. Yeah. Why not, man? Well, that's the one. Well, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to be like, Hey, let's just get Thanksgiving going as well. Cause again, I'm, my key selling points is like you eat a lot of food. You hang out with your friends and family. And at least here in the U S it's like a four day weekend. So it's like, Hey, that's good. That that's the key stuff. So, all right. Well, listen, you know, uh, Halloween was fun. And uh, of course, last week we uh, had perfect predictions for cloud earnings. Right? So, so I thought we would check in. So here's the official number. The ones we didn't have were for AWS. So AWS uh, came in and was with a growth rate of 12%. So I think we were more optimistic, if I remember, Matt. I think we were saying it was. Well, we, be- we thought that they would come in at a very predictable number, like, you know, not. Not high, not low, just kind of right where. Right. So we can't say the last quarter they grew at 12%. So we could say consistent. They were consistent. So maybe we can claim a victory that basically not much happened between uh, last quarter and this quarter. Now, uh, we do. I do have the official numbers. The tally I like to keep going here is that AWS is now a $92 billion annual business, and it's growing 12% year over year. Uh, Azure is a $66 billion business and it is currently growing at 20%, 28% year over year. And wow. Google Cloud, which incl- includes G Suite and things like that, is uh, $34 billion, And that is growing at a run rate of 22%. Now, I got a little anonymous feedback on some stuff. I thought I'd throw out here. So right. from last week. Now, and I, I don't know, this would be a good one. So the first little piece of feedback I got was people were saying it's like, because uh, Azure was talking about how great Copilot is. And I think we were like, this is great. Seems like they're doing a great job with it. Now, the word I heard was like, maybe everyone's not really paying for Copilot. And then Microsoft is offering lots of different incentives to, uh, if you will, have companies take it on, which maybe, you know, I don't want to get into the financial accounting because frankly, I don't understand it. But maybe the numbers there are like the hundred million, or sorry, no, it wasn't hundred. It was a million people using it. Yep, yep. Like, it's the difference between a million people licensing it versus using it versus like somehow it being bundled. So, well, do you, do you think they're they're bundling licenses in it as you know, a spiff for the salespeople, or do you think they're actually? So, so my my question is: Are the people who have access to it there are a million of those, or they're actually a million users? I think you you're asking the very important questions that I do not know the answer to. But people just sort of pointed out to me; they were like just. We they basically were saying like 
potentially we should be more skeptical skeptical of the one million dollar the one million users. Like, did, did, did they roll them into the billion dollar AWS deal? <laughs> that's the question. I, exactly. That, that would, wow, that would be so. That would be next level voodoo. That would be next level trolling. Like, really, right? AWS has got is now has license for Copilot that's being reported on Azure earnings. That well, AWS, actually, it turns out there's just a million AWS users of copilot copilot oh, that would be interesting <laughs> okay so i don't know so i thought that was kind of interesting right the other piece of feedback we got um a little, little anonymous feedback was and i, I you know I, I first read this i, I kind of thought about it for a while it's like i guess i'll just say it was sort of like are we too hard on google right and because we kind of refer to them as like the third one third place but someone pointed out that like hey you know that really you know it's you know it's not if you will zero sum right and it is as i kind of read off before it's a 30 Four billion dollar uh, run rate, and it's growing twenty two percent year over year. And so, the awesome. thought, the thing yeah. they put it out, and the thing that I was thinking about more was like, remember when the first, I think it was infrastructure as a service magic quadrant came out, and there were like fifty vendors on it, and there were uh-huh. just like everybody was on it: IBM, yep. HP, like you know, Cisco, like even companies we can't even remember. Racks and and if you think of it this way, it's like any one of those companies that is no longer on it would have killed for a $34 billion. <laughs> it would have been like, or digital, take digital ocean. Like, I think we're generally like, Oh, digital ocean is doing pretty well. Like, I don't know. I feel like when we, I feel like I say that on the podcast and they're like, but you know, I mean, they're not doing nearly as well as Google cloud. So I don't know. Maybe this is like, it's a little bit of self-reflection for ourselves. Like, I don't know. Are we too hard on Google? Like, do like, cause they didn't make it. They made it to third place. Whereas so many other people tried that had equal, I don't know equals maybe right. They had the same kinds of resources to compete in this area and they completely lost and gave up. So I don't know. Are, is it like, are we being too hard on Google? What do you think, Matt? Well, I mean, when they, when they publicly, you know, pronounce that, Oh, we're going to be number two by, you know, 2023 or whatever, you know, I mean, you can be a little hard on them um, because, they're Google. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they, they have every advantage in the world. They, you know, but so do numbers one and two. So, uh, you know, I, I, you can go either way. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, pointing out the, um, you know, they, for, for all their, you know, technical acumen, they are still not number one. Um, do they have that, you know, level of expertise that, you know, they project? Meh, meh, I don't know. Uh, but uh yeah, we'll we'll just uh, keep playing along and, and see how it goes. I mean, at least they're not number four. That's right. No, I agree, <laughs> and I think it, it's a fair question. It's like, yeah, because I mean, because they have so because they have such high, um, such lofty goals, right? It's sort of like I mean, we're kind of comparing them against their own goals, and so maybe that's in some ways where it comes from. Now, I will say, so I liked all that feedback. The other thing I would, I would just say is that I think I still I think the AI comments I still kind of stand by. I feel like because people are like, well, you know, these other companies and these are also doing things in AI, but I just feel like Azure has definitely dominated the AI side. And I think I'm kind of feel like we should kind of end uh, any company that says like they've been doing AI for like a long time and we should just like all take that as credit and we should give them, I'm like, I'm done with that. I'm like, I just like, do not like, if you're not showing me something like that's like blowing my mind, like chat GPT or something else like that. It's like, I don't care. Like I just doesn't matter to me. The fact that you were like doing some type of machine learning somewhere in your business before that i'm like i just think has no bearing on the market at all i don't know so i don't know is that too harsh in my like uh no no that i mean that's like you know people who are like oh you know i was doing whatever you know before it became big it's like but now it's big 
you know, I mean, so what? You know, it's like, oh, I was, you know, um, I got a minor in, uh, in artificial intelligence when I got a computer science degree. You know what? There's absolutely nothing relevant about what I learned there today. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I mean, I was studying AI, you know, during the, the AI winter. And right. so it's like, you know, it matter, like, right? yeah, it, it really just doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I mean, their comment about, you know, Watson is like, yeah, we could talk about, you know, oh, IBM was shipping code that won the, you know, the chess world championships. It's like, doesn't matter. That wasn't applicable, you know, the way AI is now. And, and so. Yeah. The whole Jeopardy thing, like Watson won Jeopardy. I agree. And it's, I think that's just, I don't know. Then is then now is now. I don't know. I feel like there's lots of cliches we could throw yeah. out. It's just like, but it's not just like old companies. I mean, I see it a lot, you know, on the AWS side and the Google side. I'm just like, I just stop. I just like, I don't know, especially when people like Google maps has been doing AI. It's like, no, it's not the same. It is not the same. I just, it doesn't matter. So I, I want, I just don't want to see that anymore. Everyone move on. And this is the other thing I was going to throw out too. It's like also, um, and maybe this will lead to some of the stuff you've been worked on. It's like, I'm so tired. Like I have read so many earnings releases where people are like, uh, right now the uh, cu- customer base is uh, doing cost optimizations, right? Like they just keep saying that. So if that can be used in earnings releases, then I want to ask permission on behalf of everyone that's working in any type of tech company everywhere. And you have any type of uh, a quarterly business review, manage a monthly business review, uh, any type of review at all. That then if, if your company said that, then in your review, you can say, well, turns out it was just a lot of optimizations this quarter. And that's why whatever it was that you didn't do or what didn't meet expectations, um, everyone should be able to use that excuse. Because I'll tell you this, I've seen this used by so many different CEOs. And I know for a fact, if you walked into that room and be like, well, sorry, uh, executive person, we didn't meet the goal because the thing that we were trying to do, the other the customers were doing uh, optimizations. That would not be met with like, oh, I totally understand. No problem, Brandon. Keep up the good work. That would be responded with, I think, some very, very uh, poignant comments about how you should be doing more, right? So that's why I just hate that. So I hate that. So if we're going to use them at the executive level, it feels like everyone gets to use it. And if no one can use it, I get it. Then we all have to just like, you know, take our, uh, our feedback, if you will, from our, in this case, investors, but, or your management, you just have to own it. I don't know. Matt thoughts on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> with you. Uh, I, I mean, what's, what's the problem that your customers are, you know, saving a little money, get a little more optimized. Like that's, you can't really complain about it. They're still your customers. So, Cost optimizations, though, Matt. This brings us to the hard work you've been doing this week. So let's, uh, I want to first uh, basically commend you on getting this done. But it's not me. It's Well, I know. I was going to say that's the hard thing. Maybe you can explain what have you been working on and what happened, you know, today, I guess. As, as, as What did you launch? Uh, so so uh, OpenCost um, has uh, a new feature set. Uh, that that uh, we've launched. Um, so KubeCost, my employer, um, has contributed. They they've contributed access to cloud billing. Um, so before, like OpenCost was working just reading like APIs for pricing, um, but now uh, they've open sourced the billing uh, parsing. You know, going and reading your cost and usage reports and and uh, you know your historical billing from your cloud provider and uh, displaying that. 
which means not only do we show your Kubernetes costs, but now we're actually showing you, you know, what's inside your bill and starting to tie them into Kubernetes. Um, so you can see like, you know, oh, I've got uh, S3 or networking or, you know, BigQuery or, you know, whatever it might be that may or may not be relevant to your Kubernetes deployment. So it's, we're kind of getting into, you know, not just Kubernetes costs. So it's kind of like generalized billing. Yes. For... yes. G- generalized cloud billing. And this um, is all part of the open cost project, yes. which is under, yes. and give, refresh everyone. So it's like, that's under. Yeah. This yeah. Thing. So, so right. uh, my, my day job is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the community manager for open cost, which is a, uh, a CNCF uh, project that is you know, Kubernetes and cloud cost uh, price monitoring. Um, so, you know, we tell you how much everything costs inside your Kubernetes cluster. Well, now we're parsing your actual bills and trying to bring that back into Kubernetes or not. So you can just see like, you know, hey, here's here's what my cloud bill looks like. Here's how much is being spent by a particular application. That's kind of what we do. Um, now, what's the, like, which yeah. bills do you uh, can open cost parse through, I guess? Like, is it like, because can't uh, be AWS, Azure, GCP. Yeah. Okay. So any one of those I can take, I can pull yeah. up, throw it in open cost, and then I was just watching a demo. And you you can show my me. demo. <laughs> Lots of uh, pretty graphs, right? Oh, Matt, this is I've I didn't I didn't prep you for this question, but like no, Uh-oh. I hope can you export to CSV? I mean, can absolutely. It, can you, That's in the uh, demo, Brandon. Oh, oh, I made mean, obviously you can tell I, I didn't in the demo it. for you. I, I was yes. I want to double check, you know, because that's I, the, I, I mean the, the original script said, and Brandon, this one's for you. Click. <laughs> you know how I love my export CSV. So that's available now. Put a link in here so everyone can just go download, check it out, use it, right? Just yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's completely right? open source uh and you know, Apache license. So you know it's it's uh well we're not done announcing stuff. So uh you know, um but now what was because you kind of alluded to like more is coming, like like the monitoring, like what was like well, I didn't quite understand that. What else I don't I don't want to like say oh, well, I mean, it, it's, unless you you know. With their monitoring, you know, this, this is, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously the first feature. You know, having access to the bill now means, well, you can look around and see what other people do with that billing data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can start, like, you know, uh, t- you know, tying, making sure everything ties back into Kubernetes, or um, start showing other views or other queries against that data. Because right now it's 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 pretty raw. I mean, it's you know it's a beta feature, um, but uh, you know we're really involved in the FinOps um, uh, FinOps open cost and usage uh, specification. You know, focus um, probably working on that. You know, uh, tying that into to billing and and visualization. So you know, maybe you can look at your focus bills um, as, as they start to standardize that or. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's no secret. I'm, I'm also talking to people about carbon costs and, and other things. So um, there's, you know, we're going to have a busy week next week at KubeCon. All right. So KubeCon next week, Matt Ray is going to be in this. It's not a booth. I always forget what it is. What is kiosk. it called? Yeah. So I'm, in the, I'm in the project pavilion. So all of the CNCF projects uh, who want one can have a, 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 a kiosk. I was about to say booth, um, uh-huh. you know, a kiosk, which, you know, it's two chairs and a, and a monitor. And, uh-huh. uh, I'll be there. So if you're coming to KubeCon, go to the open cost kiosk. You, should, you know, 95% of the time I will be there. <laughs> it would be so much better if it was two turntables and a microphone. And that rather it would than be. That, 
That would be awesome. You just, you know, in front of the DJ booth doing some yeah. stuff. I, I'm sure the pop, you know, everyone would love, you know, 18 hours of that. That would be that would be <laughs> fantastic. Well, congratulations, everyone. Visit Matt Ray. Everyone learn about Open Cost. Um, and then you know, of course, like whatever you do, go there and ask Matt Ray like for lots of esoteric features that are like oh, yeah. really impossible to add. They're like, what about this other random thing? Because that's what that's what you everyone likes to hear when they're in their. Uh, that's, that's the beauty of GitHub is it, <laughs> you true. can put them all in there. It, you know. All right. Well, the other thing um, that I ran across this week that I wanted to talk about with you, because you have so much history with Chef and things like that, was, uh, the, I guess, the team over at Oxide. Yeah. They um, they shipped their uh, new computer. So it looks like, I don't know. Yep, yep. It looks it looks awesome. I, it I looks don't know. What's, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Oxide. So it I, does. I, I'm excited for them. It does. It looks like, and it's been like in the work for many years. So it's like, it looks awesome. I mean, it has like all types of uh, cool chip stuff that I will not bore you with, nor do well, it's, it's, it's not the chip stuff, stuff that's exciting. I mean, it, it is exciting. The way they kind of brought it all it's together. The packaging, you know, it's it's that, pretty cool. That, you know, they've, they've chosen, you know, some relatively high end components and, you know, there's, they, they kind of pointedly said, you know, there's no like, home lab version of, of this, you know, they're, there's, they're shipping some, some big iron, um, you know, uh, AMD high-end chipsets, but, and, you know, their own topper rack switches, but the fabric of everything is open source. That's what's interesting is, um, you know, given their experience working on, you know, public clouds, you know, a lot of folks over there uh, were at Joyent, um, who used to be in the Magic Quadrant, and uh, you know they were at Joint, they were at uh, at Sun, and you know they've dealt with a lot of the problems of running hardware and data centers, and so they were like, you know, hey, if we were doing this from scratch, what would make it as a data center provider? What would be the optimum experience? And that's what they were going for: is you know full transparency, full access to everything, and you know as much open source as possible, because when it comes time to you know debug some backplane or something. You know, last thing you want is a closed bit of code that, you know, you have to debug. Yeah. And they're really clear about it. And as far as like on the Oxide stuff, it's like, you know, all the software is open source and the way they make money, it's very simple to understand is you must buy their computer. There's no, yeah. open source <laughs> like I said, there, there's it's no, like, there's no home lab version, right? Yeah. There, no. And it's, well, it's just also too, but you know, what I thought was interesting though, is they have a podcast. I think it, this one was Oxide, Oxide and Friends. Friends. Yeah. And they had your old, uh, one of your old bosses, uh, Adam Jacob on. And of course, Adam's been on here with his new company system initiative. Yep. And uh, if you like, uh, if you will, a wide ranging discussion of open source, that's that gets into a lot of the weeds. I, I, it's you a, should, yeah. It's, you should it's definitely listen episode. to the episode because this, I think, I guess, Brian Cantrell, he's one of the Oxide founders. And I forget the other. It's, there's another Adam whose name I just forgot uh, his last name, but he's on there. So they all have like deep experience uh, with open source. And so they really got into the weeds of some of these uh, various models. And so I wanted to t- talk about one specific model. So, I'm, you know, Adam Jacobs been on the show and I think he's sort of, you know, if you will, to me, he's sort of the Pied Piper of, you know, this free software product open source model. And so yeah. not, if you want to hear the whole podcast, you should go listen to it. But I'm, for the purposes of our discussion, I'm just putting to the side open core and all the other, you know, business models, because Adam spent a lot of time in this kind of talking specifically about this idea of around, you know, the free software product, but I'm going to call it 
paired with the paid distribution, right? Mm -hmm. And he's sort of like, I think in his mind, like this is the way forward, right? Is that you basically build all the software free, um, but the distribution is proprietary, right? And so the example that he kind of talks about, of course, is I'm going to call it Red Hat before, 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 (laughs) like Red Hat where they were essentially, if you will, yeah. Yeah, they were essentially, if you will, they were, I guess they would say they were okay with the, the rebundlers, right? They sort of like, they, you know, the CentOS, they kind of lived with it, right? They were sort of like, okay, we have our Red Hat product, right? And then even if they didn't like it, there was a period of time they allowed people to rebundle it. And, you know, if you will take... They were more tolerant, yes. Right. They were, if you will, they, they were upstream from that, right? So let's just sort of like leave it at that because I don't want to rehash the Red Hat stuff. Like we've been through that a million times. And so, but, you know, Adam sort of like really proposed that like, this is the way for it. Right. And his whole point was, was just essentially, you know, Hey, it's okay to charge for the distribution, right? That's what people should want. And I think, you know, he didn't get into it here, but I think what he's, he is saying is that if you're going to do it this way, you should always allow downstream rebundlers. You should just live with that. Like you Mm -hmm, shouldn't mm -hmm. prevent that. You should be able to build a company. And of course, this was all in, if you will, in a context of like hashy, right? Like, oh, you know, we get, we don't have to rehash that as well as either. And I was so, I don't know. So I was just like really kind of like, you know, kind of like letting it like wash over me and being like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, would yeah. this, and I know Chef kind of went through this process. I think this is like one of, of the last, yeah, the last uh, two years, you know, before the acquisition, Chef went full open source. You know, right. everything, you know, soup to nuts was open source. And you know, the, but the, the difference was if you wanted to run chef, you had to have a license, you know, you could run, you could run a downstream derivative distribution, uh, which they worked to, to build. Um, But, you know, if, if there would be no confusion that, you know, if you were running chef, it must, you know, be a licensed product. Just like if you're running Red Hat Linux, it must be a, let's stop here. This is the part I wanted to get your take on because you live, you actually live experience. So when you're doing this, like when, um, and and I don't even know, what was like, what was the chef? Did you have, did it have a name the, if you will, the open source, uh, the, the, the open, uh, distro, uh, huh. is called sync C I N C it's, uh-huh. uh, sync is not chef, you know, okay, now did, did she, like, where, like, where did chef, that chef, mean- chef's kickstarted sync? Okay. All right. And then this is where I was going to ask this, like how much work, because there's the whole idea of like, you could literally just be like, here's the Git repository, like all the codes there, but like no one, you know what I mean? Like batteries not included, no instructions, right? Or you kind of go to the level of like, you know, step-by-step, here's how you build it. So when you were doing this part, like how much did you, if you will, bootstrap that? Like, did you give They they did a a lot of bootstrapping. They did a lot of bootstrapping. Um, You know, it's probably still up on GitHub. Uh, They documented, you know, how the community would be structured, how, you know, what expectations community people should have from the upstream. You know, like, Mm -hmm. hey, if, you know, if you submit this, you know, you're going to get this. And then really worked with the downstream on clearing trademarks, right? You know, removing Chef from their builds. So there would never be any question, like when somebody shows up asking questions and Chef support what they were running. Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, it, it worked really well. You know, they, they got a good return on their Chef relicensing. Um, you know, the grumbling was... You know, I mean, that's that's literally 
a freeloader, right? If 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 you're saying like I want to use Chef, but I don't want to pay for Chef, well, that then you sync, and you're like you don't have an excuse not to use sync. Um, and so you know, well, because that's the part I want to get to. So you, I mean, this is the part I was kind of wondering, almost like one, like as I was just listening to the panel, I want to ask Adam and really I'm using you as a proxy. It's like oh, I, I'm here. The responsibility. The responsibility though is sort of like there's some bar you have to get synced to in this case, you have to be like, okay, like you got all the source code up, you booted up the community. You, yep. and you, you have the kind of like, if you will, some type of automated or semi-automated build yeah, automated right? builds. Um, and, and, you know, they had, uh, you know, they built out like libraries to assist with, comp- mm-hmm. with trademark replacement. Yeah, now, so, this is, okay. now was, like but, all the scaffolding that like CentOS and, and Rocky and Alma have like chef kickstarted that for. Okay. Sync. So my question then on this is like, was there a point though where you're like, okay, it's like, I don't know, almost like a kid riding a bike. It's like, we're going to get it all going for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, we're letting it go. And we're well, that's like, where they are now, right? I'm, right? I'm you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, the current state of, of, of Chef is, you know, they, they, I think, you know, they, they do have a community manager, I think. Um, but I think most of the downstream stuff is fairly self sufficient. And they're, and it's, they're not doing like, you know, new development, really. They're just, you know, relabeling builds and keeping those going. So it's very much a open distro of, of Chef. Um, and, you know, nobody ever came for the, the uh, you know, the, um, the big reporting, you know, dashboard and all that stuff. It was just the, the you know, the Chef client and the Chef server, you know, those live on as sync client sync server inspect lives on as sync i i don't know investigator I, you know it has some name but you know so you know those three products all, all lived on habitat it was called biome and i don't know if that still kicking around but um you know the definitely like chef client chef server and inspect are still running you know mm-hmm. with their uh you know their downstream distros and people use them you know, there's, you know, I, I, I lurk in those channels cause you know, I, I did a bunch of work on, on those back in the day. Right. Um, all the stuff that like chef wouldn't support like, you know, raspberry pies and, and stuff. Um, you know, I was doing all that in sync. Uh, so, so yeah, it's this, so at this point though, like if I want to make a contract, if I have some new feature that I want in and I want to yeah. basically do, you know, I, don't, I, I mean, I can't speak to the state of it today. Like but, how would it have worked at the time you were there? Like if I could, yeah, I yeah, yeah. So they they actually they had mm-hmm. governance documented. They had a you know a, a a regular meeting of you know community members with with you know chef people and mm-hmm. you know talked about roadmap. The roadmap all went online. Everything happening and chef went online. I mean, they stopped having like private. You know, everything got super transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, before the open sourcing, of course they had to sanitize, you know, years and years of Git history. Um, but yeah, but everything so got, I just need a change. If I said, Hey, I've got this great idea and I want to like, if you will send, send them a code, do a pull request. Can I do, would I do it to chef the repository or would I do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're still the upstream. They're just saying, you know, this is the code base. Um, you know, we'll work on this in public and, you know, if you show up, you know, we'll work on this in, in good faith, you know. Um, I mean, the problem is, you know, I don't really recall any PR showing up that were conflicting as much as like, you know, bad ideas. Um, 
<laughs> you know, there there weren't like you know PRs. Like, no, I mean, you know, just the uh, normal process of like, hey, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fun ideas and for every kind of project, but like, so Chef was like reviewing them. I mean, it's it's open. I yeah, and then it would go into Chef, and then process. downstream, yeah. When when yeah. Chef would say, "Here's you know release 18, Sync would say, "Here's Sync 18, You know, like yeah. twelve hours later. Um, so it was very much the the Red Hat CentOS model, um, right? With a lot more bootstrapping from Chef to to kickstart sync and what happened with with you know with the relicensing is you know the downstream uh if you will you know freeloaders the the companies that were using chef and reselling it to their customers and their support well you know they were given the choice you can switch to sync or you can you know get a license and Mm -hmm. they bought licenses Right. So it makes sense. So I don't know. I think in some ways that kind of like begs the question then it's like, well, like, is that, if that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of the incentive chef would want chef, the company would want you to buy a license, of course. Right. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. So I guess it's just kind of back to like, what is the, I guess that's some part I kind of came back to is like, well, if the goal really is you want everyone to buy the license here. Right. And most corporations I think are going to want the license. Yep. Right. And it's like, well then who's like, in this case, will you think like, Who's who is who's using sync? Like who's yeah. who is that serving? Like have you sort of just, if you will, it's like, you know, I guess it's like almost like if I don't really have free access to the real thing, <laughs> even though it's open source, like what do I really have? Like what who's do I gonna, you know? who's gonna run open tofu? Right? It's gonna be it's gonna be like you know the open source hippies. Yeah, not actually that big an audience, but you know right? they're 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 definitely some of us, and um, you know, and it's gonna be the people who are like you know, the cost of that license is not worth it to me. And sometimes, you know, you have integrators, whoever, like, you know, I'm willing to throw bodies at this problem because, you know, it's cheaper than buying licenses. So that was, you know, an incentive for Chef not to charge too much. But, you know, I, I think, if, you know, in the podcast, I was like, we should charge more. You know, we, we should have charged more. Um, you know, there's also the whole, like, it's it's a great podcast, but a, a very very divergent track about like how VC messes up everything, <laughs> but you know, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, and everyone understands that, you know, and I, I don't think I understood it. You know, I didn't know that there was this 10 year cliff coming that, you know, the party was ending. Um, but you know, heads up, if you're at a VC back company and you're approaching 10 years, the party's ending. Yeah. And so just to clarify that, it's like what happens is the fund uh, ends after 10 years and they want to like, they want to do something with everything in there. They either want the, to write it off and take it as a tax loss. They want to sell it so they can return the money to investors or, or, you know, or, you know, they just don't want it to sit out there for a long time. So that that's kind of the, if you will, a 10 year cliff. So I don't know. So I guess I just kind of look back on it because, you know, Adam is just like, you know, like, I don't know almost it's almost like religion to him right like i just at least it comes through that way like like he feel like i feel like if you're talking it's like this is the way there's only one well, way but, but the, the funny thing is it's like because of this external externality of you know vc backed stuff we're gonna see nothing I, I i bet you know we're gonna see for every hundred open source companies i think 95 of them are gonna do the rug pull mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i i think i think you're gonna you know see like there will be some that you know there are very few examples of the red hat model um because like it's not attractive to vc you know uh, you know support is like just you know toxic to vc nobody wants a support driven business and you know so if you're going to take the big multiples to to grow your company 
I mean, if you're going to take a bunch of money to grow a company fast, you're going to end up going down a, a you know, a path. I mean, the, the pessimist in me thinks you're going to be going down a path that does not um, allow you to build a, a long-term sustainable company. I think there's going to be a rug pull. Well, I think that's for sure. And I think that's kind of what a lot of that conversation went. So it's like, why, why is it? And I think, you know, the part I kind of was, cause I was sort of like leaving the conversation thinking like, well, you know, Adam's answer to this is uh, again, I'm using his words here, the free software product licensing model. That's clearly what he believes. Yeah. In. And it's like, and so, you know, and I think he'll, cause on the podcast, they kind of challenge him a little bit and say like, well, like, why doesn't anyone do it? And he has like, He's obviously been asked that question many times. He has a whole oh, yeah. set of uh, uh, ways to answer. So I encourage you to listen to it. But like, I think his point is just sort of like, um, there's a lack of willingness of people to try to actually do it. But I do yep. like, I mean, to me, I kind of flip it around. I'm like, well, like if this was the answer, there's so many companies. It's like, and there's so many people willing to try stuff. It's like, you know, like, I don't know. And like, I think it was but, like- But, a, but, but the, 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 the VC externality is like, you can make a short-term cash grab. Right. I mean, I think, I, I think in the case of like, like chef's a good example, chef's been out, was out there for a long period of time and was at the end of a fund. Right. But I think at the beginning, it's like, say, you know, if you will, the company's being founded now, if, okay, like, let's just take Adam as like, okay, if this is the way to build the next quote unquote red hat or something equivalent to it, I think the VCs will be like, fine. Yeah. Like do it. Like we want to make, we want to have a major, big, huge billion dollar outcome. Uh, this is the way to do it. Let's do it. And I think the question, I think they kind of come back to, it's like, well, there just isn't a lot of evidence. Right. And I think that's the whole, yeah. uh, I, I, and I know Adam would be like, you know, it's just Adam would say, yeah, cause he says on that podcast many times, it's like, people are just unwilling to, to do it. They just don't believe in it. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm still not convinced. I'm still like, I, I think people will try a lot of crazy stuff. Um, but but you just, only get what, you know, you don't get the AB test with your company. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. This system initiative is the B test, right? Because I'm, I'm like, well, I'm now so oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. interested in it because like, clearly like he's has all the history of chef, all the scars, right. For good or for bad, bad. And so like, I'm really interested to see, um, cause I don't know exactly. Cause I know they were in the process of open sourcing. It oh yeah. They, they've, they've, they've gone cool. down the open source path. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, lurking over in their discord and like, you know, they're, they're charging down the path. They're getting open source commits. You know, they're getting, you know, features from the community. And um, I don't know how viable, you know, I, I don't think there's like a downstream distro yet. Um, maybe there doesn't need to be, but, you know. It, well, no, there I would say no. I think that's like a re- prerequisite to like being the fraud. Well, I guess at least supporting it, right? Like having the enough infrastructure, for there to be some type of downstream distro would seem like kind of a prerequisite to this, right? I, I think, it and it's like, ah, you're just kind of like, you know, you're really just an, a licensed product at that point. Well, I, I, I think like, I mean, it, it depends on how you look at it. I, I, the, the system initiative as a product, I think there are parts of the ecosystem that they will commercially provide that will not be open source. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you know, going back to the, I mean, uh, the comparison would be like with Inspec, you know, the, the, um, you know, security mo- scanning tool, right. It, you know, the, op- the tool is completely open source and transparent, but like they didn't give away all the, you know, sys benchmarks, you know, the, all the, all the things that you're going to be scanning for, they gave away some starter ones, but they kept, you know, the ones that were up to date and, and, you know, all, all of the, like, IP around how to use this product that was, you know, that was kept behind. 
And mm-hmm. it wasn't, I mean, you know, it's code, but it's not the product project. You know, it's not the, you know, the pr- product. You could write your own is the whole point. Like you could go and write from scratch a full competitor. So I think the system initiative, you could run a full, you know, SaaS version of it yourself, but you're not going to have, you know, the the content, you know, the curated content that they're going to have, um, which is kind of like, you know, Android, right? Yeah. Uh, Sure, you can roll your own Android phone. Uh, good luck with your own Android marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think about So, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, we can kind of do a couple of things. Like one, if HashiCorp had done this, right? They said, hey, this is the way we want to go, right? Do you think they would have made more money, less money, or the same? Like if we were like to, pro- if we were like forecast this going forward. And from which point in time? Well, I guess this last time, I guess this last. Yeah, decision, I mean, if, they, right? if instead of doing the full rug pull that they did, a very hard rug pull, you know, where they're like, you right. know, now they're fighting with the Linux Foundation. Um, they're fighting with everyone at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to find themselves fighting with their customers because, um, you know, there have already been some high profile folks who have come out and said, you know, oh, this open tofu thing, you know, we're, we're getting into it. We're going to be behind it. Um, I think... They probably could have, uh, I think short-term they're going to probably be okay, but I think long-term they're going to, you know, hemorrhage more than they would have if they'd done a, a more gradual transition or I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of advice about how to do a rug pull, right? Yeah. Well, because I think we should look at Red Hat too, the other one, even though I said we shouldn't talk about Red Hat because we've been on many times, but like, I feel like the Red Hat change, I don't know what we're calling it. I don't think the Red Hat change is Um, that bad. I was going to say, I don't think it's that bad, but I don't think it's going to net them out much more revenue. You know what I mean? No. And and, and I think, I mean, I, I, like, I think they should have just been like, they had it pretty well. They should have been like, listen. They, I would say like if you were to be totally almost like Red Hat therapy, it would be like, guys, you're always going to be mad. It's almost like, listen, you're, you're always, always going to be, to be mad. You're <laughs> always going to be angry at these people using CentOS. And I know exactly. deep down you want to call them names, freeloaders, and many other things you want to say that are probably not words for a play company. But in the end, it's going to be okay because they weren't really ever going to pay you. So they're in, in like, just be okay with it. Right. It's like, and it's, it is the whole thing about like, it's still, you're still going to make a lot of money. They're not, you're not losing any money from them or or it's not very significant and don't worry about it. Right. I think that was the therapy right at Nina, but they, you could tell there was just a lot of, like you could see the anger, like these freeloaders. I hate these people. You know, it's okay. It's okay. It's always been there. You know, know, there, there's always been people who have been, you should have just given them better benefits. Be like, you know what? Everyone's getting here a little more free therapy. You get in there and you get, (laughs) get your anger out. But it's like, because that part, I don't think it's going to like net out any new, it's going to be so insignificant. Whereas the, the hashy thing, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of agree with you. It's like the open tofu or no, it's just tofu, right? I, I would say. No, whatever. I think it's open tofu. Those, that group is very motivated. That group is like, I feel oh, like yeah. that, that is a very motivated group to be like, we're going to be here until we prove everybody wrong. Not even prove wrong. Till, till we take back, if you will, what was, what was ours. So, um, but I, now I do think, so I guess we can leave this with sort of like, obviously we'll watch Red Hat. The hashy thing is super interesting. And then I guess by definition, Adam's company systems initiative. Now that's kind of complicated because they have a lot of like, what ifs is like, did they build the right product? I don't know. Like, you know, that yeah, product, yeah, that's yeah. not to play out. And then two, did they adopt the right licensing model? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Adam. It's like, I don't think it's, you know, open source is, um, I, I mean, which kind of comes back to the Oxide model. It's like, you know, Oxide's not an open source company. They're here to sell some hardware. And I think well, know, Oxide's the most pure, like I love, like I can't get enough. Uh, like, I don't know. Again, it's back to like, they have a lot of other, like we were talking about this in the Slack. It's like, it's hard to build a computer company. It's hard to get like stuff in the data centers. Like they have a whole set of challenges that I think have nothing to do with open source software. It's just like, I don't know. But, well, that, that's, but, but so, so does, so does SI though. I mean, their, I their, their initiative is like, outside. did they build the right product? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Does anybody even care to use it? And I think the open sourceness becomes like just, uh, you know, when you're making a pro and cons column, it's a, it's a, a pro just like it would be with Oxide, you know, you'd be like, well, the good thing is, I guess, you know, maintenance of this is going to be a lot easier. And, you know, but there's probably not a lot of people thinking like, you know, that's it. I'm going to go make my own, you know, SI platform. I, yeah, I, no, I, agree. I just think I just like the oxide one because it's clear. It's like if they answer these other questions and people buy their computers, they're going to make tons of money. If not, it, you know, it's just not going to work. Right. There's, it's just simple. It's like there's nothing complicated about it. Um, and I guess, you know, and I guess maybe we should leave it here. It's sort of like, I don't know, what are we the people contemplating open source licensing changes? I hope someone um, of some size, because this is like the next big one. It would be interesting if someone went this route. Right. Kind of like, you know, chef did it. But like if someone's like, no, no. We are announcing, I'm um, called the free software product licensing model, right? The distribution, you must pay for it as licensed software. And we're going to boot up, you know, the open source community next to it. And that's what we're doing going forward. And it would be really interesting if someone tried it because I think it would be just a great test case for everyone. And then we can see like, does it make money? Is the community, you know, reasonably happy with that? And then of course, are the venture capitalists ha- actually happy with that? So we'll see. So I don't know wh- who it is, but I hope, I don't know. It's it'll take someone. I think it would be very hard in the boardroom. Yeah, I think it will take a founder. I think it requires like a founder with like some reasonable, significant equity left in their company to be like, no, we're doing this. Because other yeah. than that, I don't know who else can actually pull it off. So, uh, so when you're that's your project. Uh, when you're out there at the uh, CNCF and like, because there's going to be, I'm sure, some hallway talk about who's the next uh, company that's going to. Who's already who's, talk, who's right? the next rug pull? I've seen yeah. several. If you go to the software to find talk select, there's like I'm not going to report any of it because I have no idea if any of it's true. There's some like there's some speculation that it's coming. So you know, I want to see it's if someone else coming. It. Yeah, it's always coming. I, All right, now uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Matt Ray, is talk about people that have invented a good business model. And I, I don't really so much have like commentary on this as I just think it's incredible because we talk about the defaults all the time on this show. Uh, so the reports came out that Google reportedly pays 18 billion. I did not say that wrong. 18 billion a year to Apple to be the default search engine of Safari. And just to add on to that, Google paid a whopping 26.3 billion in 2021 to be the default search engine everywhere. So I guess that's like Firefox. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like all the browsers. So I just, to me, I'm like, is this that, is this like the greatest, I mean, business model of all time? Like if you're on the other end to you, if like, cause I mean, you think about Apple, it's like someone shows up with a check for 18 billion, or you can go to another search engine that people will like less or at least use less, or you could build your well, own. They might, well, and, and most of them will just keep using Google. Yeah, most of them will probably switch back in the thing. So it's like, I was like, of course, like there is no other answer. Like, so when people like, I know I always think back to these questions, it's like, oh, you know, why does Apple do this? I'm like, 
The only possible answer to the question is yes. Like, I don't think there's anything else. You can I do. mean, it's, you know, Microsoft's going to show up with, you know, a billion for Bing, you know, two billion for Bing. You know, it's not like DuckDuckGo has got a, you know, a billion dollars to hand out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only other potential is going to be Microsoft. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, apologies to our friends at Bing, but, you know, it's it's probably fine. Well, I guess this is maybe an exercise. Like, do we, do we have a problem with this? Cause there's obviously a lot of like lawsuits going around here. And it's like, well, I mean, I mean, to me, it's like, I, it is one of these things. Like I have a hard time getting worked up. I don't, I don't have a problem with Apple taking the money. Right. I have a problem with, you know, uh, and, and, you know, monopolies, you know, and, and, you know, enhancing their positions. You know, that's cause that's all, all this is. It's like, they've put, they put an $18 billion moat around them, right? Like, you know, nobody can go to Apple and and get in into the search space, you know, because nobody else has $18 billion to give. So, so you know, having a new startup in, in the search space is going to be monumentally hard to get any traction because yeah, you'll so never be a I, default. Yeah, so I guess you're kind of making the case there. It's like, well, but I, I just don't know. It's like so, if so you... As, as an, you know... Uh, as a antitrust, I'm totally against it. <laughs> but it's like if you're like DuckDuckGo, like what is like DuckDuckGo going to do? Like I mean, you're, I, you're I mean gonna testify in congressional hearings, and you know, but are we going to switch yeah. DuckDuckGo? Are any of us going to like really do it? I mean, that's I've used it. It's it's fine. You don't really notice it's it, actually, but, but, just, but what ends up happening is like you're already using Gmail, you're already yeah, using you know, you know other stuff, and you Gmail. just kind of end up back in Google, and you didn't really notice when it happened, but you know. All of a sudden, you know, your Chrome is defaulted back to Google. How did this happen? Of course it happened. <laughs> all right. Well, the other nugget that came out, because like the Verge is all over this. So like, you know, reading all the emails. And so one of the emails that says, uh, I guess it's from one of the internal emails sent by one of the VP of Android platform partnerships. And the quote is, quote, Chrome exists to serve Google search, end quote. And I was like, I... Oh, I just felt like, yeah, of course. Like, I don't know. I didn't think this was news, but people no, listen to hear it said out loud, you know, but it's true. But like, did we ever, did you ever think otherwise? We're ever like, man, it's really great. They're so nice to make a web browser for us all. Like, of course it was made for Google. Well, like, I don't know, know. Back in the, the don't be evil days of Google, you know, people thought like, no, oh, they're just trying to make everything better for everyone. But really like, you know, um, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the whole open source, like everybody has an angle in open source. You know, yeah. um, there are there are definitely some altruistically bent folks um, who are like, you know, hey, I want you know, I want there to be better things out there in the world, and if we all get rich, that's a nice side effect, but it's not required. But it, at Google, it's required. Yeah, <laughs> it's I don't know. It's just one of the things. I guess I feel like maybe <laughs> maybe it's just more me coming to grips with my own opinions here. It's like I see a lot of people worked up over a lot of this, but I'm just like, this one, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. seems fine. Like, I feel like the only way this stuff changes eventually, and maybe you can see a little glimmer of it these days, is that, you know, overall search itself will just become less valuable because there'd be other ways to do stuff. Like, that's to me the only end to this. There isn't going to be like, I don't know. I don't think there's... But then, then, you know, who can afford to have, to pay for the alternate AI things? You know, oh, other, you know, other fan companies. Well, Anthropic is going to fund itself. Everyone in AWS and Google just keep giving Anthropic more money, which in itself has become its own like weird little proxy war. Um, all right. Well, this was, I was going to ask you because you're, you're always, you're, you're the, uh, the man with a million ad blockers. So 
there are some legitimate uh, attempts here. I don't know. Legitimate maybe even seems the wrong words. There are some attempts, let's say, is to move away from advertising-based social media to, if you will, you just pay for a subscription. So Facebook and Instagram have launched a, an ad-free subscription in Europe. Yeah, and then, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of swore we never talk about Elon Musk again, but we'll just mention this once that, that um, they're talking about like there would be a paid version of, I guess, X. Right. So they wouldn't mm-hmm. have any ads. And it's like, I don't know, like, again, one of these things. Well, I guess I was going to contrast it with like YouTube premium. I, I know you're you're sort of on team ad blocker there, but like I think YouTube premium, good product. And I think if you like if you actually like YouTube and you don't want to see the abs, I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to pay the subscription, but it is very similar to other like subscription services that people are used to, like, you know, Disney Plus and stuff like that. Like the idea of paying for social media is kind of weird to me, right? I don't know. But I, I just was wondering, it's like maybe that's just like an old school way of thinking. Like what is your, because you're, you're, you do not like ads in your social media. So <laughs> are you going to consider paying for any of this? I, I mean, or is if, it all bad? That, that's, that's a good question because um, I, you know, obviously if I don't feel compelled to watch ads, you know, if, if that's your business model, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I just, you know, I agree, you know, there should be a way to make me pay for it, but I don't see how me watching ads gets any value. What, um, what would you like? Would you actually pay? So for yeah, I, I mean, I, I pay for Spotify. Right. But would you go so far as to pay for either Facebook or X? Well, I, I'm, I'm mostly done with both of them. <laughs> but, but so, so here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm on blue sky and Mastodon and, uh, I assume they're ad-based. Uh, I mean, Mastodon's... No, they're not. Gone. Mastodon's just free. But I, I mean, I assume Blue Sky will be at some point. I, I, maybe they're... I think Blue Sky is just like... Know. I think Blue Sky is done. I actually think... I know you're not a fan, but I actually think... And this is maybe an unpopular opinion. I think Threads. Threads is actually pretty good. I've actually used... I've been on it. I'm like, yeah. It seems like... It really does seem like maybe just sort of Twitter before the chaos. And so it's like if you... I guess it's like if you like Twitter pre-chaos it's kind of replicated that same experience and so it seems like that'll be like to me the thing that like hangs on to me will be threats but i don't know you know i don't whether or not that's a successful business i don't know it's it's not my problem to sort out their business models if if they think that they're going to get me to pay you know 15 dollars a month for it i don't care enough you know and i mean and that's what's funny is is you know the pessimist in me says well twitter's doing it because you know because they call themselves X and they have no business model and they're hemorrhaging money. And maybe if they throw this at the wall, it'll stick, but it won't. And then, you know, Meta's doing it for European antitrust reasons. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh no, you can always pay not to do yeah, ads. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a, a feature that exists only to just say it exists and no one is actually expected to use it. So yeah. I think maybe the one to watch then would a little bit because I think YouTube, I think they've obviously I, I, I mean I would agree. I, I I you know when when some of the recent ad blocking stuff going down, I was like, do I use YouTube enough where I'd feel like paying for it? And I was like, maybe. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, would I, would I pay some sort of like Google fee to be exempt from ads? Probably not as much as, you know, they would value. Um, I mean, like I'd probably pay five bucks a month for, for Google stuff. You know, I mean, I've been using Gmail for, you know, 20 years. I've been using, you know, you know, other stuff I've been using Android. Um, 
but this whole time I've been, you know, aggressively fighting with the stuff that hosts all my content. <laughs> it's true. That, that, that's true. I think I'm mostly like, I'm okay. Well, it's also like, you know, I'm sure there's an email sent somewhere inside Google where they're like, Gmail exists only to serve Google. It's like, yep, I know. I got it. I'm still okay with it. So I mean, don't have to do it. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think, you know, the one I'm going to watch then is TikTok. I guess TikTok's like a good hybrid one, right? Because it is the short-term video and it's like, you can waste a lot of time on it. And the ads are pretty, I think they're, they're not that intrusive. I guess it depends on who you are. So it'd be interesting if they roll out like a paid offering. Cause that's sort of like a good hybrid because it has some social aspects, but it also has like a lot of video. So that would be like a more natural subscription, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's almost like, would you pay to get on Reddit? Would you pay to get on Facebook? It's like, no, nah, I just like, in fact, if anything, it'd be like, oh, this is a reason for me not to be on this thing. The fact that I have to like waste money on it. So, okay. So we'll watch it there. All right. Well, Matt, a couple other quick things. Um, I just wanted to mention this because uh, Matt Levine wrote about SolarWinds as security fraud, which I think was just fantastic. So if you didn't see the news, I guess the SEC sued or is suing SolarWinds for misleading investors. And there are just some great quotes about passwords <laughs> in inside. Uh, I guess, you know, there's, I know there are several uh, accounts that just basically publish uh, emails that have been found in court documents, but there's, there's some, just some gems about like um, some SolarWinds security engineers basically just discussing how little security SolarWinds has. So it's just, <laughs> honestly, I just thought it was funny to read. And then I liked uh, Matt Levine's take on like, you know, uh, bad passwords are security fraud. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, if you will, the uh, financial analysis slash uh, meets IT, you know, go read it all. It was, it was just kind of a fun read. And then finally, of course, you know, we're the number one Apple podcast in the world. Everyone comes here to figure out what's going on with Apple. You're welcome. So, uh, Matt, what was what was your main takeaway from the Apple uh, scary event that took place here on Monday? Um, it was about what I expected, right? Uh, the the M3 is uh, you thirty know, percent faster than the M2, which makes it. It was M1, right? Because they kept they kept trying to compare it to the M1, which made sense, right? You know, I always pick. Oh, your, okay. Your, uh, you're, I think it's 20% faster than the M2, and then it's like whatever, whatever that works well, out. It was like 50% than yeah, the M1. M1. Yeah. Also, if close watchers, Apple, absolutely the king of uh, graphs with no labels. I mean, you're just like, it doesn't get any better than this. You just got lines with no units. Everything up no and to the right. You're just yeah. like a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. It's like, it's fantastic. I showed my uh, seventh grader. I was like, hey, you think you see anything wrong? He's like, oh, man, I would get in so much trouble if I handed this in. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, when, you, when you have a graph, you must la- label the access and show units. Otherwise, it's just lines. But uh, I thought that was very funny. I was, they do it every time, though. So many people pointed it out. I don't, are you getting in that where you move to uh, go get a new M3? No. <laughs> um, I looked at... At their 14-inch Pro, uh-huh. and I was a little confused by some of the specs. I mean, still offering an 8 Okay, oh, there's two. There's kind of like the the like the new Pro, which is really like the old MacBook 13 Pro, which is like the slow Pro. And then there's slow the Pro. Pro Pro, if you will. So that's why you have to kind of figure out what you want. What do you think about the RAM? Three slots of RAM. Now we all have to do division by three. I was That's throwing me off. Like, you know, yeah. I see 18 gigs of RAM. I'm like... What happened here? The hardware yeah. engineer go wrong? Like, is what you know? Are well, there, I, you know, I mean, some of the crazy. the new, some of the new um, AMD stuff does forty eight gigs, which is a weird number. 
Yeah. So, um, so we all have to like, re- I think we need some real expert person to come on and be like, what's the state of Ram? Cause I am, especially with these MacBooks, I'm always like, my default is like more, just always more. But I think, I think it's an old school way of thinking. It's like, is 18 on one of these, like getting 32 on Intel? Well, or you know, the, 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 the browsers are coming for, for your 18. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Google, maybe that's what it's, maybe that's what uh, Microsoft or that's the deal they have is like, we give you $18 billion, but you need, when we ship Chrome, we need you to make sure that these things are packed full of Ram. We got people out there <laughs> with like 7,000 tabs open. And if this, Wait, I, uh, I thought you said Chrome exists to serve Google, not to, <laughs> not maybe, to that's maybe that's why Apple's like, listen, if you, you know, you, you, if you uh, give us this money, we're going to make sure it runs just a little bit slower and everyone needs a little extra RAM. And then you know what? We can make it 20 billion next year. Yes. So I'm to sell RAM. Um, I actually did think though, one of the more interesting things about it that was kind of cool was uh, there's this uh, behind the scenes uh, about how they filmed it and they filmed everything on in that video was filmed with an iPhone 15 uh, camera, which I thought was like really cool. And they showed how it, how it did it. Now they have the huge rig. So they have the huge lighting and all this, but all the, if you will, the video itself was captured with the iPhone 15. And I was like, that's pretty impressive that the fact yeah. that you can make a, essentially like a feature, I guess it was like 30 minute film uh, and they were doing everything. They were basically having it automatically streamed to like hard drives. And I don't know, it was just like, wow. So it's like, I don't know, it's always interesting. Sometimes you wonder like, it's like Apple and podcasts. They seem to just never care about podcasts. No one cares about updating that app. When they do, it's always like a bunch of like random things they forget. But when it comes to like cameras and making movies, they have the they have the full attention of the Apple yeah. team. They are definitely producing some good stuff. So if you want something uh, fun to watch, check out the Apple stuff. And then, you know, we'll check in next year. Maybe it'll be the M4 where Matt Ray has actually moved to go get a new I'm Mac. happy. I'm happy with what I got, my M1 Air. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Probably at some point it'll die or be unsupported and uh, it'll be time to upgrade. Well, truth be told, I'm still rocking the Intel Mac mini that I've had for several years it's sitting oh, right wow. here. And I have, uh, I have like an M1 like uh, MacBook that, but I, don't, I end up using this most of the time. So it's like, but it's got 32 gigs of RAM. So, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm okay. I guess it's going to work out. You'll be fine. Uh, all right. Well, listen, a uh, couple other things about listener feedback. One, I want to let you know I sent some stickers to Todd in Oregon. If you would like uh, some stickers, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I'll be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Uh, next week, KubeCon, right? And there are a lot of people going to be at KubeCon that listen to the show. There's a whole Slack channel you can get in there. Uh, one thing that jumped out, I think uh, Sudesh from Akamai, he's hosting a happy hour at KubeCon. So you can, uh, look like you can register. I don't know if you get to Johnny Lee Jen yourself. I have no details. I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I bet you if you sign up and you just go have fun, you know, maybe you'll see Matt Ray there, probably get some free food, maybe some free drinks. If, if you don't like the event, don't email me, email Sudesh. I don't have no idea. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of those and there are more people posting uh, various happy hours. We already mentioned Matt will be there. A bunch of other listeners will be there. So, you know, everyone uh, f- find somebody most importantly, everyone there that's listening to this, just recommend the podcast. That's your only mission. Just recommend the podcast to us. I'm, I don't I'm, mean, are I'm you flying to Chicago to Are you giving out podcast? stickers? You got some stickers still? Or do I need to like I, refill you? I probably need to get a refill. I'm, I, right. I, I, I think I'll have a handful. So if you show up. All right. Our mission is to make sure Matt Ray runs out of stickers at KubeCon and, and then I'll send him some more. So uh, that's always fun for me. Also, we also had some Excel follow-up from Professor Jeremy. So who good. I, 
that I think he's going to be at the show. So we talked about uh, Excel last week and all the crazy things uh, that were going on in the scientific community. So here's some updates. So first, uh, the setting to not convert text to date has existed for at least a year, but more options were uh, added recently. It is per user, not within the file. So it's sort of, uh, it also, it works by setting the cell format to text. So a user doesn't have, who doesn't have the latest uh, Excel won't break everyone else. They just shouldn't be the one to import data. So yeah, so you're saying, very important, if you are the scientist that is too lazy or doesn't have money or doesn't upgrade Excel, you can't import the data. You are off that list, right? <laughs> that's, that's most important. So uh, they've already sold one upgrade somewhere. Yeah, so somebody, one person in the science lab has to upgrade, right? And then they're the only one that can do the import. And then uh, he also mentions that there is an uh, an, uh, an issue that we talked about last week that uh, you can't use uh, macros during execution. So basically, there are lo- still lots of ways that you can, if you will, hurt yourself with Excel. So anyway, appreciate all the feedback from Professor Jeremy. Go find him. He'll be at uh, KubeCon next week as well. And then uh, conferences. So we already kind of mentioned it. KubeCon, that's uh, November 6th through the 9th. Matt will be there. We do have a discount code. It's a really long VMware discount code that's in the show notes that you can see. If you are in Europe, uh, you can visit Cote. He'll be at the VMware Explore event that's in Barcelona. And then uh, November 7th and 8th, uh, there's going to be the Risk 5 Summit. Maybe they'll figure out if we should buy uh, more RAM for our, um, I guess, our laptops. That would be a good uh, tidbit we need to know. And then our friends over at the VAT conference, they're coming back to Texas and that's going to be January 29th through February 1st. And of course, if you want a conference mentioned, all you got to do is really probably log into the Slack, let me know what you're doing. We can probably put it up here and advertise it for you, or you want to send me an email. You know, We're always happy to do something like that, do some type of media sponsorship. That's always fun. Now, having said all that, Matt, what's your recommendation this week? I don't have a recommendation. I have an anti-recommendation. Oh, even better. I always like this little <laughs> Matt Ray rant. Well, you know, I... Uh... Uh, on a previous episode, I, I spilled orange juice on my keyboard, <laughs> which, which uh, resulted in some fantastic screen grabs by the community. Yes, right. um, and, and so that day, I I panic bought a Lenovo Go wireless ergonomic keyboard, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I you know rinsed out the Microsoft keyboard, and eventually it came back for oh it did I don't know, two two months yeah uh-huh. was that probably about two months ago yeah. Um, and so I was using it and then it just finally just totally died. Uh, you know, I mean, just nothing, you know, no lights, no batteries, you know, just no, no response. So I'm like, all right, well, it finally died. Let me go back to that Lenovo keyboard that I bought and it's terrible. <laughs> really? Yeah. I what's, just, you what's, know, what's wrong with it? The key sticky, the, that... the, the key feel is too soft and not sensitive enough. Or I, I don't know, like, a lot of times I'm typing and uh, things get out of order. Like, and I feel like a lag on the screen. And I think it's just the the, the, the firmware on it is too slow. I'm not a fast typist. I'm, you know, 60 words a minute, you know, something, you know, something like that. Um, It can't keep up with my typing or it's just, it's bizarre. And I don't know why that is, but uh so um, where are you, are you retiring it? What what's happening? Well, what's your uh, what are you I'm, I'm going to KubeCon in two days. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I think I'm gonna be ordering a replacement. 
uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about it on a future episode. So I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away. They still but, sell your beloved Microsoft keyboard here in the U.S. Can no, we get you one? No, it's, it's gone. gone. I, 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 I checked. I checked Best Buy. I checked Amazon. Mm-hmm. I checked it's the Microsoft account. Store. Um, you can find them, but they're severely marked up. You know where, or or used. And I don't know. Like, it sounds like they're priced fairly, given your desperation. I think it's. Uh, I don't. No, no, no. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm ready to move forward. I, you know, when I bought this Lenovo keyboard, I should have. They were still had the the sculpts in stock. I mean, because they stopped making them about six months ago, and so like okay. the stock has just been bleeding out. Uh-huh. And so I could have got like the business edition with the mouse or something. You know, I should have bought that, but now. It's gone. That's gone. They're all gone right. uh, in both countries. And, you know, so you seem I'm looking... like the person that would build your own keyboard. Like you seem like you order the switches and the whole thing. Like it feels like this is a Matt Ray project we need to get you going mm. on. So, so if, if I had access to knowing the difference between all the switches, like, mm-hmm. so you go and you look at these, you know, fancy keyboard sites Right. And they're like, oh, it's got you know such and such kind of switch. I'm the like, blue switch or the brown switch or the yeah. The or you know, literally, I'm I'm looking at the site and they have 20 different switches. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I I have no idea. I don't even know how to describe. I what like I JJ like. doesn't know SSHJJ. Isn't he like down this rabbit hole? It feels like he's yeah. It feels Probably. like sure he's you got know, on. Yeah, but 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 my point is like, if I I would if I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I sat down and you're like, you know, type on this, now type on this, you know, better or worse, you know, just, and I, I could probably do an optometrist style path to finding the right touch of keyboard that I like. Uh-huh. Um, I, so instead I'm probably going to buy something replaceable, you know, something serviceable where I could change them out if I found something I like better, but everything I've found so far suggests that like, oh, you know, the default is pretty good. So I'm, I think I'm going to end up buying like a premium keyboard with the defaults. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm looking down here. I'm rocking the Apple default keyboard, Bluetooth keyboard. Well, and you know, and that's what's uh, funny is I'm like you know, typing string. on my laptop, you know, typing on my laptop keyboard. I'm like, this feels fine. You know, it's like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much okay with the feel of it. This Lenovo one is just trash. Um, mm. It just, it feels bad. I guess um, maybe you should try the the new Apple keyboard with the touch ID. That way you can like log. But, but also I need an ergonomic. I do need an ergonomic, mm-hmm. which you know woo, narrows the, the the window. All right. Well, we'll give people one recommendation that came in here from the chat. It's the Kinesis RGB gaming split keyboard. Great ergonomics. But Matt, well, hold, so- your, hold your fire, Matt. So everyone, this is like this is our big cliffhanger episode. Tune in next week or a coming episode where Matt Ray reveals what keyboard he has decided to purchase. Matt, don't say it now. And I can continue no. my rant because yeah. this rant could go off. And really what I was going to say is like that this could be a cliffhanger that lasts probably like 10 to 15 more episodes where every week it's just you complaining <laughs> about a new keyboard. And then at the very end, you're just like, I don't know. I'm just using the Apple, right? That It could go that way or it could. That, we, that is definitely hero, already part of the rant. It could be, or our hero could find the perfect uh, keyboard along the way. So. All right. Well, my recommendation this week is something very simple. Uh, I've been watching the series Bodies on Netflix. So I'm just giving this, uh, I'm going to call this the exercise bike series. Like I just wanted something to to watch while I was riding an exercise bike, trying to get some some exercise, obviously. So Bodies, I think it was like seven or eight episodes. It's a little sci-fi kind of mystery thriller. I just thought it was solid. It was like something's great. If you just kind of want something that's like, 
you kind of have to pay attention to it. So you can't really be on your phone, but it's also kind of, if you will, maybe not the perfect series, but it's just a, a nice, if you will, time filler. So if you're looking for something on your exercise bike or you, uh, if you're flying to KubeCon and you have, I don't know, Matt, what do you have? 25 hours per leg. I already know what I'm watching. Like that, yeah. Then uh, if you got something like that, and you're just like, I need some more filler, then you know, go with bodies. Check it out on Netflix. Um, all right. And with that, listen, make sure everyone go visit Matt Ray next week at KubeCon. Uh, you have plenty of things to ask him about. You should take your keyboard recommendation to Matt Ray and have him reject it right in front of your face for some esoteric reason. That'll be a lot of fun for you. And uh, with that, and also too, we should also ask all the crowd is like, if you have keyboard recommendations, either go into the Slack and uh, make them or send us an email. And uh, maybe we can, if you will, do a little roundup, the most popular keyboard used by the Software Defined Talk community. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Well, at least it doesn't apply to this podcast because every time we finish at the end, I'm always like, perfect. Not a thing I would change. <laughs> I'm, I'm always like, like I'm always like, this that is big. This is as good as we could have possibly made it. Maybe even better. That's always <laughs> the end of a good 439 end. episodes of podcasting Nirvana. Yeah, 439 <laughs> episodes. We've never made a mistake. That's what's incredible. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep that going. All right. Well, uh, you ready to jump into some topics? You ready to get going?